Welcome in, everybody. It's Husker Extra Podcast 2022 Recruiting Overview Series. Uh, this is episode two. Uh, I'm Parker Gabriel. Uh, you can find this podcast, huskerextra.com. Please consider subscribing. Uh, we're adding this series about recruiting to the pantheon of Husker Extra podcasts, like the Sip and Sam Showdown, which of course is a must listen every week. And if you listen to that every week, you don't need any introduction uh, to today's guest. It's Steve Sipple of Notoriously the Sip and Sam Showdown. Sipple, what's up? Hey, Parker, how are you? I'm doing great. You look resplendent in your Husker Extra gear. You like that? This is actually yeah, previous generation good. Husker Extra podcast swag. I like that. It looks good. Can I get a Sip and Sam Showdown t-shirt that's just, it's the logo, like your face and Sam's face? Is that, you have those? <laughs> is that what you want? Like Did you really want that? You and Sam. <laughs> is that? Is that something you'd like in your arsenal? Yeah, I would wear it all the time. <laughs> I'd wear yeah, it I got, to press conferences. You'd react to it. <laughs> that would damage your credibility. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure about that. Today, we're not, we're talking about Sip and Sam Showdown. That's fine. It's Husker Extra umbrella but we're also going to talk about defense simple for as much it's interesting to me so in the 2022 recruiting class there's 28 new scholarship players 27 of them have officially joined uh timmy bleak road the kicker from Furman, uh will graduate from Furman in the spring and then join a program uh in in late may or june the majority of uh, there's more offensive players than defense clearly there's more of a substantial rebuild or sort of reload on offense than there is on defense but this side of the ball is still really interesting 12 guys total a little bit of a mix actually heavier high school presence defensively than offensively but but a mix two division one transfers two junior college transfers seven high school kids so simple i'm going to put you on the spot well you knew you're coming on this podcast but on the spot to some degree just as a starting point what do you make of what, what jumps out to you when, when you see the defensive side of the ball and what Nebraska's done in this recruiting class? Well, the obvious thing, Parker, is a heavy presence in the secondary. Yeah. Um, where, I mean, you just had two outside linebackers, or excuse me, one outside linebacker and inside linebacker and one defensive lineman, and the rest of it's secondary recruiting. Yeah. The other thing that jumps out is that, you know, there's probably three of those guys or four of those guys in the secondary that have a legit chance to start, yeah. you know, be to be starting black shirts. That's, I mean, we're, yeah, we do talk a lot about the offense and how much different that offense could look um, next year personnel wise, but the same is true in the secondary where Nebraska is losing Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams at safety and they're losing Cam Taylor Britt at corner. You need guys. They went and, they went and got guys, you know, there's some guys already on the roster that obviously are going to be major factors in that, but there's going to, there's going to be some guys in this recruiting class that are major factors. It's a, okay. So let's, let's get right into that. I want to run through a couple of superlatives too, but I think let's just start talking about the secondary in general, because like you say, there's a lot to replace. So, well, I don't, I mean, you've been covering college football for a long time. You've been putting your heart and soul into covering recruiting for a long time. Yeah. Um, what, it is amazing that, like, I just think it's, I've been covering college football for seven or eight years, and it's yeah. remarkable how much different it is now than even a few years ago, where there's a guy like Omar Brown from, from Northern Iowa. 
he goes in the portal and almost from the minute his name shows up in that database, there is, hey, this is a guy that Nebraska could get. And oh, by the way, the enrollment deadline is in like three days. Um, so it's going to have to happen really fast. Like there's a guy who's on another roster who's an FCS All-American as a 20, as in 2019 as a true freshman. And then 48 hours later, it's like, oh, he might start for Nebraska this fall. Yeah, there's well, a lot it's of- It's amazing how it happens. Yeah, there's a lot of re-recruitment that goes on more, more than ever. Um, and it, that, takes, that takes on various forms. Like Scott talked about, Scott Frost in his, in his signing day press conference, signing day two press conference yesterday, talked about how literally now you'll, it makes sense to have someone in-house scouring other teams' rosters. So you can imagine Nebraska, you know, someone scouring Northern Iowa or getting wind of Northern Iowa's defense and looking at certain players and looking at Omar Brown. And when he goes into the portal, we got to be on him, you know, or, or, yeah. or we got to be on him before he goes into the portal. So right. when I say re-recruiting, that takes a lot. I mean, when I, I mean, there's, there's a lot in that word re-recruiting, but that's yeah. what we're talking about here. And Omar Brown, uh, would be a guy that you would identify as a guy that could definitely be a starter as a corner. I'd say, I mean, yeah, yeah. probably thinking Quentin Newsom will, would, you know, if he does what he's supposed to do and plays at the level he did last at the end of last year and continues to improve Quentin Newsom is already on the roster. He's a returning starter. He'd be a, he'd be a, a strong candidate to start again. The other corner spot though, Omar Brown or Tommy Hill. Um, yeah. Those are guys that you'd point to in this class, probably above anybody else, and say they'll have a they'll have an excellent chance to start. It's interesting because in some years you could take two more guys that are corners in this class, and in some years, if you weren't talking about adding Omar Brown or you weren't talking about adding Tommy Hill from Arizona State, um, you might look at a four-star guy who was committed to USC previously um, until the coaching change there, a guy like Jaden Gould or a junior college transfer like Javier Morton uh, right. and say, those are the kind of guys you add to your program to compete for playing time right away. Like Jaden mm -hmm. Gould has been a four-star recruit since he was a <clears throat> freshman in high school and played at Bergen Catholic. He's high school teammates with Ramir Johnson or he went to the same high school as Ramir Johnson, a couple years younger, obviously. They have, and then Malcolm Hartzog, probably a little bit more of a project, maybe an early contributor on special teams, but five corners in the class competing for both spots. But as you say, Quentin Newsom's got a good handle play, you know, started every game in 2021. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, it's going to be quite a competition this spring, right? For yeah. the guys that are yeah. in town for spring ball in that regard. Oh yeah. I mean, that whole secondary, it's it's really it's really going to be interesting what Travis Fisher's facing this year because of what he lost, and it's not. And now you have all these new you have a lot of new faces and guys that they're that you have to look at Deshaun Singleton at safety. You can easily see this. Not that Deshaun Singleton can easily win a job, but it's very conceivable right. that he could be a starting. He could be a starting safety. That's what I hope people understand about this conversation. We're talking about guys that they might look to, they probably looking to, to go win a starting job. I mean, the, the, the transfers are sort of obvious, right? Tommy Hill, 
came from Arizona State where he was playing. He didn't come here to to develop in the wings. You right. know? He came, came here to land a starting yep. job. The same with Omar Brown. Deshaun Singleton probably falls into that too. From He came from Hutchinson, Kansas, Juco, Hutchinson, Juco. Um, and they're not, you know, it's not like there's other than Miles Farmer, there's really nobody in the program that you'd identify as, as, as a surefire bet to start at safety. And I don't even know if you'd say that about Miles Farmer. He didn't play, I mean, he didn't have a real strong finish to the season. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you're kind of talking about two safety spots up for grabs. Yeah, that's okay. So I think this has gone, I mean, it didn't go under the radar in the sense that you knew that Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke were both obviously multi-year starters, multi-year contributors, you know, Eric Chenander. I remember you were really sort of taken when Eric Chenander said that they're like coaches on the field. Like you don't have to tell those guys anything because that's the extent that they know the defense and what a luxury that is. So when you take both those guys off the board after six years of college football, you obviously have a lot to replace there, but I think, yeah. I don't know exactly why this is. If it's because when you look at the DBs they've added, that Deshaun Singleton, you know, depending on how Jaleel Martin and Gage Stanger develop over their high school, over their college careers, they could be safeties. They could be nickels. Singleton yeah. could go the Javen Wright route and even get big enough to, or excuse me, uh, Jaleel Martin could get big enough to go the, the sort of Javen Wright route and become a true outside linebacker. So when you look at five corners, one true safety and two guys who are sort of athletic, big athletic utility players, like it's easy to gloss over the fact that the picture at safety is really murky. I mean, like you say, you've got, you've got uh, Miles Farmer, Noah Pola Gates to, to this point in his career has not locked down really much of a role in the defense. And then after that, it gets pretty short. You know, you're talking about maybe a guy like Marquise Buford moves from corner to safety, or yep. maybe one of the guys that they brought in as a corner in this class moves to safety. Like it's going to be, I don't know that they have to know who their two guys are. And if those two guys are going to play 85% of the snaps or whatever, but there's a lot to work through in the middle of the field in the secondary for Nebraska. Yeah. And, and you're right, by the way, Parker, I was taken by Shenander's, it wasn't just a quote saying Markel Dismuke and Dante Williams were coaches on the field. It was, it, he allowed, it was more, he elaborated more and it was really interesting. Like he, he virtually didn't have to coach them. Like right. they, 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 you never worried about him, for instance, showing up on time or um, being in the right place or, you know, saying the right things. They, it was almost like, yeah, I mean, I, those guys, just kind of moved into a realm where you didn't really have to work with them very much because they were 24 years old. I mean, right. they're 23, 24 year old guys. And we always talk about that, like that they literally have families and they com they comported themselves that way. Now that's a pretty big loss that just mm -hmm. all of that. And Especially now, when you now put they, Jojo Doman in that conversation to some degree, given that so much of the communication, especially in past offense, was those guys, right? Nap, yeah. how, how are you going to hand stuff off? How do you play bunches? How do you, you know, defend a route tree? Like those three guys were, you could watch them, especially from our vantage point in the press box. You could watch them every snap, talking, communicating, you know, getting everybody on the same page. And that all goes beyond just being able to run or make a play on the ball. 
Absolutely. So now, now, so there's, you're losing some maturity is what we're talking about. And, and those guys were all, I mean, Jojo fits that category too, of kind of an old, he was a six year player, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jojo's a grown man. So now maybe what you get now, what you hope, eh, you're probably not going to, of those three, Doman, Williams and Dismuke, there's one that stands out in terms of he wasn't overly fast, overly athletic, and that's Dismuke. The other guys, yeah. not only were they really mature guys, really athletic. I mean, JoJo and – JoJo's going to be an NFL draft pick. Williams hurt his knee against Minnesota, and I don't know. He missed the what last – how many games? Five games? Yeah. Um, something yeah. like that. Um, now, if I'm, what I'm telling you is if he wouldn't have hurt his knee, he was going to – he's going to be a – I think he'd be a draft pick low yeah. round, but still a draft pick. He'd probably go run a good time in um, at the combine. Now that's all a little bit murky because, because of his knee injury, but yeah, you're replacing not only mature guys, but a couple athletic guys. So there's got, there's a lot, maybe you can make up ground. Maybe you make up ground with just, if these guys that they're bringing in are just better athletes but it's going to be hard to make up ground in terms of knowledge and stability. Okay. So we could talk about secondary for this whole podcast, but I do want to talk a little bit about the linebacker level in particular, and we can lump Julio Martin and Gage Stanger into this conversation because I think Stanger in particular could end up as a safety. He could be nickel. a nickel. He could yeah. end up being an inside linebacker. It just sort of depends on how he grows in that conversation. But then you also when you're talking about linebackers, you get the other two guys in the conversation, uh, the other two in-state guys in the class, yeah. Jake Applegate from Lincoln Southeast, Ernest Hausman from Columbus. So simple, this just sort of, this follows a little bit the track that Nebraska has been on in terms of recruiting defense, right? Like if you look at their inside linebackers, the top guys are a couple of in-state guys, Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer, got Garrett Nelson at outside linebacker. This is an area where Nebraska clearly feels like they can find contributors and staple type guys just right within the, the state border. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it though? Interesting. It's a much different conversation going from the secondary to these, these two young linebackers. They're not going to yeah. be counted on no. to play immediately. Um, okay. Way different. It's a lot different conversation. Um, Jake Applegate, uh, now you correct me if I'm wrong, but he was one of the first guys in June. I think he was the first guy to have an individual workout. Yeah, he was. And they offered him like right, right when the, they told him the whole dead period, 18 months, that they wanted to see him work out. They wanted to see him in person. First day it opened up, he worked out, got an offer, committed the next week. Yeah. So, I mean, which tells you he was very important in their plan, long range plan. Not a guy that I would expect to come in and play right away at outside linebacker, though. Not right now with who they got. Um Apple get two is interesting to me because he could, you know, if it didn't work out at outside linebacker, he's a sort of guy that could move to the other side of the ball and probably play tight end and be pretty good. Very yeah. athletic, very athletic kid. Um, but yeah, that's what I remember about him is, 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 is how, how they were so intent in June on getting, getting him in there and working out and then how quickly the offer came. Hausman, Ernest Hausman, I believe is just a, I mean, he's earmarked for inside linebacker, where again, you have the veteran. I mean, the veterans, I call them veterans. I guess you'd call Reimer and Hendricks veterans. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Yeah, and Kalarovich. So you're not, 
he's not going to be expect you don't you don't have to press him in quickly which is i think good i mean he needs to get acclimated and learn and i think those guys really benefit from not having to be pressed into duty now maybe he comes in you never know i mean maybe those kids come in and just through their play show they can't be kept off the field but i don't think anybody's they're not they don't have to count on them for that yeah it's sort of like reimer right reimer luke reimer was a walk-on and and barrett has told the story a lot of times at this point that the first drill of the first day he thought man this guy's going to play for us right away and ernest houseman you know i've heard um, you know, even just in the few weeks now that he's been on campus, I mean, I think he's, he's one of those guys, he's already up seven or nine pounds or something like that. He's at 215, he's six three. he's got range and can, can run and all of that. And so you, I mean, it's not the end of the world, obviously, if by the end of 2022, you're thinking about, Hey, maybe one of those guys works his way into special teams duty or, yeah. um, you know, all yeah. of that, but, but you'd like to, as you say, you'd like to have it be get in, work as hard as you can and see about making the travel roster. Right. I mean, that's sort of the, that's sort of the idea Yeah. rather than like push Nick Henrich for the starting job. They don't really have to ask that of these guys. No, not like the secondary guys that we referred to. I'm wondering off the top of your head, you know, did, you know, Barrett made those comments about Reimer when he came in, he knew it was Reimer. Did he make a mark on special teams right away? It seems like he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He played. Yeah. He definitely played on special teams as a freshman, but he also dealt with, I don't remember the, I don't remember exactly how it unfolded, but he dealt with injuries right from the start of his career kind of too. They thought he was going to play more than he did uh, his first year just because of that. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Um, the, the thing to make clear is just because you're not counting on these guys, I like them both. I, I think yeah. that they did a good job recruiting both of them. They, they were got they're staple guys in the class. Those guys are really important. They, they, I don't think they ever wavered on their, on their verbal commitments and now, you know, now it's time to get started. Okay, so uh, the we're going to talk about Brody Tagaloa, and that's going to sort of take us into um, the last part of this podcast. But simple, before we go further, I want to I want to put you on the spot again. Who do you think is the who? If you had to name one, who's the biggest get? Like, who's the best win of this class? Of it's either Omar class? Brown. It's either Omar Brown or Tommy Hill on yeah. defense. Yeah, um, I would probably. You know, it's not like I. I've studied their tape intently. Come on, um, Gilbrandt. Yeah, no. Um, uh, I'm tempted to say Tommy Hill. I mean, I, yeah. Omar Brown and Tommy Hill are going to compete for a corner job, I would think. Yeah. It's hard to, for me to separate those two. Um, Omar Brown is an FCS, FCS sophomore All-American. I probably lean toward the biggest get was Omar Brown, probably. I think you could look at it one of two ways. I mean, Omar Brown's got more college production, albeit at a lower level than Tommy Hill. And Tommy Hill's got an extra year of eligibility uh, on Omar Brown. So, you know, they've got, they're both, I think, big gets. And probably, as you say, um, you know, the the two biggest. I do think getting Jaden Gould as a high school kid, you know, who is committed to USC and then gets caught up in the coaching change there and all that, you know, there's another guy. But, but heavy emphasis on, on the secondary. Once again, I picked Jaleel Martin as my sleeper uh, in the super six that the 24 seven puts on just because I saw him work out. I literally saw him earn the scholarship offer from Travis Fisher um, during a, a, one of the Friday night lights camps in June. And I just was really impressed with how he moved. He's, he's really long. Um, he's six, three um, long arms, long legs, big frame. And he's a guy who, I think you could see him being anything from 
a Braxton Clark type corner, like a big jumbo kind of corner um, to be in an outside linebacker. So he's just one of those guys that I think you, you get in the program, you teach him the system and you see what happens. Uh, and those guys, it always, those guys, if they develop and they put their nose down and they work and all of that, like those are the type of guys that some way, somehow they become really valuable for you down the road. And not only that, but then he's a Chicago kid too. And that's an area, you know, he and Alante Brown get some young guys from Chicago um, and they do well, you know, Travis Fisher spent some time in January recruiting in the city of Chicago. And I think that's an area, you know, it's big 10 country. And that's an area that Nebraska would do well to, to keep getting players uh, out of too. Uh, okay. So Brody Tagaloa is the lone defensive lineman in the class. He, he played defensive line in high school, but he was more known as a tight end at De La Salle. Uh, out in the Bay Area. And not only that, but he signed. And then his position coach, the guy that recruited him, Tony Tuioti, left to Oregon. So I guess two questions for you, Sipple. Um, A, what do you make of where the defensive line's at right now in general? And B, I guess, leading question, how high on the priority list does adding more to the defensive line from the transfer portal, like how high is that on the list now going forward into the spring? Yeah, I don't know how to... I mean, I can't really overstate the importance um, yeah. of getting it, it, it. They have to. They got. They're definitely trying. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt. There's no doubt that heavy in the discussions right now is getting a defensive lineman and a pass rusher and another offensive lineman. I'd say if you talk to Frost, and he was, you know, on the, you know, he he leveled with you. He'd say right now they're actively looking at all three yep. of those. Uh, at least one offensive lineman, at least one defensive lineman, and a pass rusher. You know, yeah. um, so uh, I mean it's really high. And yeah, I mean Brody Tagaloa, um, critical critical recruit. But as you said, he yeah you just don't you just don't know. This is he's not gonna. This is a developmental type situation. You don't count on he'll go away for a while. I mean, you yeah. won't hear from him um, for a little while, and that's the way it should be with linemen generally. So the fact that they only got one is well, come on. I mean, that's a little concerning to me. Yeah, as someone who was really, you know, if you watched the Big Ten title game and then you watched the the college football Final Four and you noted what was going on on both the defensive and offensive lines and what happened to, for instance, what happened to Cincinnati against Alabama in the semifinal, their defensive line was too small. Couldn't compete with Alabama. Uh, Michigan's line got mauled. I mean, mauled by Georgia. Yeah. When I watch that, I'm just thinking the whole time, I hope Nebraska understands what they have to address and get and how much better they have to get up front. And I don't feel like they really did. I mean, they, right. so that's, they did a good job, I think, overall in the class, but that, it seems glaring to me that part needed to be addressed, didn't really get addressed very much. Yeah, Michigan had two top, two top 15 picks probably in Hutchinson and Ajabo, and they had by far the third best defensive front in the college football playoff. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. Frost talked on signing day about the sort of, they're playing more even front. And so they yeah. need fewer, what you would call classic defensive tackles. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's what Casey true. Rogers and Ty Robinson will both be for Nebraska. They need Nash Schottmacher. They need Marquise Black, Masai Newsome, 
that, that young group to really take a step up. And we talked about that after 2019. And I remember you asking the question, what if I told you it was a foregone conclusion that with the Davis brothers and Darian Daniels gone, it's going to take a step back. And Janander and Tony Tuioti said, well, maybe, maybe not. And they actually played pretty well. This strikes me as being a bigger, even bigger challenge to try to bring that young group along and, and, and keep playing at a relatively high level. Yeah, you mentioned the key guys. It's on them. I mean, you really need Rodgers and Robinson to become – I mean, it'd be really nice for Nebraska if one of those guys became a, like a legitimate all-Big Ten type player. Yeah. Haven't seen it. They're definitely solid Big Ten players. Um, but, you know, solid Big Ten players, you, you know, that gets you about a 500 record. At least – we shoot for 500 around here, not not on the football field, but just in podcasting in general. Simple, you've been very gracious with your time uh, running through the 11 editions so far. This is the group that you'd say for sure, you know, Nebraska's still trying to add to over the course of the spring. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Steve Sipple, Lincoln Journal Star, HuskerExtra.com, famous mostly for the Sip and Sam showdown. Uh, subscribe. At HuskerExtra.com, and you can not only get all of our recruiting podcasts, but you get the Sip and Sam Showdown, uh, all of Sipple's work, all of a lot of other Husker coverage. What was that? All of your work. All of my work. All of the collective Husker Extra Hives work. So please consider subscribing. Check us out, HuskerExtra.com, for all the latest in Nebraska athletics coverage. Thanks for listening and watching.